1: Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live down the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we will continue to discuss the question, Can our dead speak to us? We will be studying what the Bible teaches. More about our subject after we've had some music.
3: and if lo he said
1: Can our dead speak to us? We will continue to discuss this question with answers from the Bible. Have a pen and paper ready to write down some notes. Joining me live in the studio tonight is Elder John Skeet from Temple Restored Ministry in Indiana, in the United States of America. Good evening, Elder Skeet. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Yes. It's great to be here. Thank you, John, for having me. It's a privilege, Elder Skeet. Tonight, we will discuss these questions together. What is even worship based upon? Why does the devil want men to worship the dead? What religions today worship the dead? What warning has God given us about worshiping the dead? How does Jesus save us from demon worship? So, Elder Skeet, let's have a word of prayer together before we open the show. I should pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio and for Elder Skeet to be with us in the studio today. We pray, Lord, and ask that your Holy Spirit to bless us so that Lord we can share your word as it is to the people about this subject is our prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, can our dead speak to us? Listeners, first we're going to look at what is heathen worship based upon. We read in the book of Psalms and chapter 135 and verses 15 to 18. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not eyes of day but they see not they have ears but they hear not neither is there any breath in their mouths that they may make them so they that make them are like unto them so is everyone that trusteth in them we also read in the book of second kings in chapter 23 and verse 5 and he put down the idolatrous priests, whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem. Them also that burned incense unto Baal, to the sun, and to the moon, and to the planets, and to all the hosts of heaven. The Bible makes it clear that heathen worship is based upon idolatry, idolatry meaning worshipping the work of men's hands, things which men have made. It is also based upon the worship of Baal and the worship of the sun, moon, planets and star systems in the universe and the worship of things that have no life. We also read in the book of Psalms in chapter 106 and verse 28 they joined themselves unto Baal-peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Heathen worship involves worshipping dead people. The idols or gods of heathen worship are idols of people that are dead. I'll say that again, listeners the idols or gods of heathen worship are idols of people that are dead. We read in the book of Malachi, in chapter 1 and verse 11 From the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. And you see, listeners here, we have the Bible teaching us in parallel Great among the Gentiles, great among the heathen. And so the heathen are also called the Gentiles in the Bible. Now why have we brought up this point? Note who the Bible states that the Gentiles or heathen are really worshiping. For this we read in the book of First Corinthians and chapter ten and verse twenty. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. Thus we see that through the heathen system of worship, the system of sun worship, based upon astrology, idolatry, and the worship of the dead, Satan and his demons lead people to worship fallen angels. Heathen worship is the worship of devils disguised through nature worship. It is the worship of the creature rather than the worship of the true God and the creator of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ the Lord. Now we can look at the book of Second Chronicles in chapter 33 and verses 1 to 6. Here we have another insight from the scripture about this system of heathen worship. It says here, Manasseh was twelve years old when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and five years in Jerusalem. But did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down, and he reared up altars for Baalim, and made groves and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit. And with wizards, he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Listeners, heathen worship also involves child sacrifices, astrology, enchantments, witchcraft, familiar spirits and wizards. All of these rituals and practices in this belief system are means by which human beings give worship to demons and not to the God of heaven. We will let the late Elder James Arabito explain to us listeners more details about how this system of heathen worship came into being as we know it today. This was taken from his presentation that he gave to a live audience called The Aquarian Age.
2: There's one thing that every one of us face and that's the grave. Irrespective, old or young, no matter how rich you are, no matter how popular, beautiful or ugly you are, you're all going to face that grave. It's there, it's facing us in the face every single day. We have to think about that. Those of us who are older, We see the gray hairs. We see the wrinkles coming on. We see the changes taking place in our bones, and the structure of our body. And we know that we're dying while we're alive. We're living in bodies of death while we stand upon our feet. The ancient world was just taken with this concept of death. All of the ancient religions revolved around the concept of death. They saw people die, and they saw new people born. And they worshiped whatever the force was that brought life back, and they thought that same power was the power that had power over death. And they beat their bodies, and they offered up children as living sacrifices to gods of stone. And all of this revolved around that ancient worship of the god of the dead, the god that they believed had power over the living. The Bible says that Jesus came to deliver those who all their lifetimes were afraid of death. I've been to funerals where there was not a a wet eye in the place. A funeral of someone who was a Christian who they knew would would rise in the last day when Jesus comes in the heavens to raise the dead and to take them home. In the ancient world, there was such a fear of death and the forces of nature that people would wear jewelry to protect themselves from the gods. They felt that they could put some a three-dimensional or two-dimensional item on their body or mark their faces up in some way that these gods of the spirit world that were influencing the world around them would see that mark or that symbol of himself on them and would not harm them. Jewelry came in through the worship of the dead in the spirit world. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the religion of Jesus Christ. Jewelry, even to this day, is a demonic magnet for the spirits. You see, these spirits are at least 6,000 years old, far older than that, and they know the history of the occult. And they're laughing at you. You might think that that little ring on your finger or those rings in your ears or that necklace of yours is just a little bit of decoration or a sign of your marriage vows. But in reality, it's part of an occult practice that goes way back into prehistory in the worship of the spirits of the dead. Jesus never encouraged the wearing of jewelry. These people saw the electrical fields of nature and assumed that these fields of nature must have the secret of life in them, and they symbolized these things by the great dragon, the great spirit force. It represented the force of the electromagnetic energies that they believe the spirits passed through and dwelt in.
1: So listeners, take note what the late James R. Beetle shared with us, that the wearing of jewelry is a practice that comes from the worship of the spirits of the dead. He also mentioned that the worship of the electrical energies of nature as spiritual life-giving forces and the worship of the dragon to symbolize the spirit world, all are part of Satan's idolatrous system of worship. We have spent this amount of time with this matter so that it can be clear to your listeners how broad heathen worship is upon this earth and how you can detect whether religion or practice is from the religion of God through Jesus Christ or not. Now, why does the devil want men to worship the dead? I'll let Elder Skeet take over at this point.
4: Well, to state it simply, Satan wants to mislead. He wants us to believe something that is a falsehood and to disbelieve something that is true. We read in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, his overarching purpose. It says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which Deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. The Bible makes clear that Satan and his angels, their purpose, what they're really striving for, is to deceive the whole world. The devil wants men to worship the spirits of the dead so that he can mislead them. One of the areas where Satan wants to deceive people is concerning righteousness and sin. In 1 John chapter 3, in verses 7 and 8, we read, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. This is one of the areas, listeners, that the enemy is really trying to mislead people on. It's concerning the deception of the, con, that surrounds the law of God. He wants them to become confused as to who is righteous and who are sinners. But the Bible says that those that do righteousness are righteous. And Christ came to destroy the works of the devil and to make it clear to all what righteousness and pure divine love really is. The ways of the religious system of the devil are designed to confuse people. It is Jesus Christ who is righteous and we are to learn righteousness through his word and his law, which governs the entire universe. In the last radio program last week, we read from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19 and verse 31, a very important text. In answering this question, why does the devil want men to worship the dead? In Leviticus 19, verse 31, the Bible says, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards, notice, to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. You know, the Hebrew word for familiar spirits there, if you look it up, it says, prattling the father's name or mumbling prattling means to chatter so these people they kind of alter their voice and then in the hebrew definition in strongs it says a necromancer even if we didn't have the strongs concordance there's a a very familiar story in the bible that shows that people that are involved with familiar spirits are really in trying to mislead people concerning the dead. That story is found in 1 Samuel 28. And at your own convenience, listeners, I'd like you to look at that story. Many of you are already familiar with it. In that story, um, Saul was going into battle. And at the start of the chapter, in verse 3, it says, now Samuel was dead. And Israel was lamenting over it. And in verse 6, it says that that a big war was coming with the Philistines. And in verse 6, it says, that Saul inquired of the Lord, but the Lord answered him not. So God didn't speak to, to Samuel. And so he wanted to know what was going to happen in the battle. In verse 7 of First Samuel 28 says, Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit. Following down in the story, when he went to see this woman, what did he say to her? Verse 11, it says, The woman said, Whom shall I bring up? And he said, bring up Samuel. And then the woman had this apparition. She said gods were coming up from there. So in this story, we see that people with familiar spirits are people that supposedly are communicating with the dead. What did the evil spirits do? What did they say when they came up? In verse 19, the evil spirits said to Saul, tomorrow, thou and thy son shall be with me. In other words, the evil spirit came in. What was his purpose? To destroy his hope, to put to to put fear within him. And that's what Satan always wants to do. He he wants to mislead so that he can destroy our hope and to discourage us in our walk. People are led by Satan to cause others to do Satan's works. In Matthew chapter 15 and verses 18 and 19. It talks about people that have evil spirits, what they actually try to do. It says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. What are they? For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. That's what the Bible says in Matthew 15 verses 18 and 19. So many of these people who are pretending to communicate with the dead, but who are really talking with demons are encouraging others to do have evil thoughts, to commit murder, uh, adultery, fornication, steal and lie. And and what is the end result of being defiled by these sins? We can find that answer in first Corinthians chapter three and verse 17. Because it says there in 1 Corinthians three seventeen, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So our question is, why does the devil want men to worship the dead? It's because he wants to defile them. And he knows that the end result of that is that they'll be destroyed. So, we see that the worship of the dead is all part of Satan's global conspiracy of deception that leads men into sin to rebel against God's law of love and to direct the love and affections of men away from Jesus Christ and to himself. Let's go on to our next question. Brother John, what religions today worship
1: the dead? Thank you. Yes, this is, What religions today worship the dead? We read in the book of Jeremiah chapter 51 and verse 16 and verse 7. That's Jeremiah chapter 51 and verse 7. Babylon have been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore, the nations are mad. The Bible teaches us Babylon has made the earth drunken and mad with her wine. We read what this symbol means in the book of Revelation chapter 17 and verses 1 to 5. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit in the world. Into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet coloured beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet colour, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication, and upon her forehead was a name written Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. The Apostle John was shown the Antichrist system of religion, the Roman Catholic Church, as we studied in previous radio show. God calls this Antichrist system mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. It is the center of all the evil that happens upon this planet. God says this, listeners, not us. And this will be proven. Note that the word mystery is first used to describe the Antichrist system. This is because the Roman Catholic Church is a mystery religion, a system of religion that is really heathen worship, outwardly disguised as being Christian. This corrupt religious system is symbolized by God as a corrupt woman, a whore, riding a beast, or an earthly kingdom. The Bible reveals that the papacy is a corrupt religion that is involved in earthly politics, and that the works and that it works, I should say, hand in hand with the rulers of this world. For those who did not listen to our previous shows, we have studied that God symbolizes His church when it is faithful to Him as a pure woman. See Jeremiah chapter six and verse two, and also Revelation chapter twelve and verses one to two. But when God's church has become corrupt and unfaithful to Him. He symbolizes it as a whore. See Isaiah chapter 1 and verses 8 and 21. As ancient Israel separated themselves from God by practicing heathen religion and worshiping the dead, so does the Antichrist system of the papacy and all of its daughters, its daughters being those churches and religions who are guided by its teachings. They all practice heathen religion in its various forms, and worship the dead. Once again, we will let Elder James Arabito teach us about the history of the Antichrist system and how it works.
2: The Roman Church drew together every aspect of pagan idolatry without one thread of it left out. And they used the grossest forms of pagan idolatry in an effort to keep the people in abject terror and abject fear. These forms, some of them, are, are two, three thousand years before Christ were being carried on in initiation rites in the pagan world. But the worst of it all was the use of terror and fear to stop any organization or group that could pose a challenge to the Roman papal power. The research into the world of the dead, the occult, the electrical energies, and the sciences, both occult and legitimate, had to go underground in order to survive. And these societies, many of them organized originally for political purposes, others for religious purposes. In time, many of them became societies for research into the spirit world. The leaders of many of these occult secret societies were, in fact, Hebrew people. During the Dark Ages, when the masonry began to spread down onto the continents, especially in France and Germany, the leaders of that movement, in order to bring in new secrets, to initiate members into different orders, searched out the Kabbalistic Jewish rabbis, because these men led the world in magic and witchcraft in their day. The Talmudic teachings of the Jews Has been the bridge for bringing witchcraft from Babylon to the modern world that we have today. The real history of spiritualism is, in fact, the history of the secret societies from the the Eastern world to the West. How did it bridge the Gulf through Catholicism into modern Europe? Largely the reason for it was that as the Crusaders came in contact with a much more advanced world of the Middle East. They were taken uh, by a society that was first called the Ismail, a secret society that controlled the Ottoman Empire. This society produced another secret society called the Assassins, which terrorized all the leaders and terrorized the people into conformity to its will. The Knights Templars, as this organization was called by the Catholic Church, who was, the purpose was to protect the pilgrims as they went to the Holy Land, the wealthy pilgrims, formed a union with the Ismail, who passed on the Jewish Kabbalistic system of the occult. These men who claimed to be Christians and set up many lodges and castles throughout Spain and Europe and Northern Africa and the Middle East, would kiss the image of Satan and break the cross in their initiation rites and have homosexual orgies. Few people realized at first what was going on in the castles, but when the knowledge of it broke in the 14th century, a terrible persecution of these people took place. And some of their leaders, after the death of their leader, Demolay, fled into the British Isles And there in the British Isles, they united their interests with operative masonry, uniting the Hebrew occult symbolism of astrology worship with operative masonry. They formed the secret lodges of masonry, inoperative masonry. And in 1717, the first great lodge was established in London. These people took death oaths not to reveal anything that they were taught in secret. In the lower orders, they were taught that this was actually either a Christian or a Hebrew-type organization with the religious symbols that were widely accepted. They were taught that the first great lodge was formed in Solomon's temple. And of course, this all sounded very good. The initiations sounded very moral, good, solid teachings. But as you look closely at this replica of Solomon's Temple from a Masonic Lodge, you see the symbols of Egypt and Babylon on it. As these men went up the ranks, they found that the system was based upon astrology from beginning to end. Two of the staffs used in their ceremonies here from a lodge in Northern California in the U.S. show the sun and the moon in the middle of the Masonic symbol. On the eastern wall of most, if not all, lodges, in the room where men are initiated, is what is called the eastern star. Albert Pike, who wrote Morals and Dogma, one of the most important of the Masonic books, says in that book that that star is a symbol of both Lucifer and Satan. The G that's often placed in the middle of that star symbolizes God but not the God that the Christians worship by no means. It represents Gnosis, the ancient religion of Gnosticism. It represents Geometria, the ancient formulas of the occult uh, worship of numerology. It represents Goat, the ancient worship of fertility, and it represents Garden of Venus, the occult practices of sexual impurities. You notice that G with the I in the middle of it symbolizing the God of masonry, and then you see our Father, which art in heaven over it. That is blasphemy. Because their God is not the God the Christians worship at all. It's the God of nature, the God of sexual worship, of ancient pagan idolatry, the God of the forces. Masonry was used by the Roman Catholic Church for the purpose of breaking down animosities among those powerful people and organizations that were in opposing religious beliefs such as Judaism and Protestantism. Therefore there is a Protestant branch and there is a Jewish branch and there is an Islamic branch. But as these men go up the orders of masonry they lose the animosity towards a Roman church that they find the same symbols are used in masonry, as we've been showing you the last few nights. It is the same religion at the top, one universal religion at the top. And it has done its work of breaking down animosities. In this day and age, Catholic priests are free to join masonry.
1: Thus, listeners, Egyptology, Jewish capitalism, Babylonian astrology, and Freemasonry, these are all religions that worship the dead. They are mystical religions that have come under the control and guidance of the Roman papacy. Even Islam is being controlled through secret societies by the Roman Catholic Church. And the Roman Catholic Church has become the bridge builder for all satanic mystery religion and spiritualism that centre upon the worship of the dead. All this the Lord has shown us in symbol in the Bible. Let us face up to these facts. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is dead. Roman Catholicism teaches people to worship her. The saints and the apostles are dead. Roman Catholicism teaches people to worship them. Church laymen and nuns are dead. Roman Catholicism makes some of them saints and teaches people to worship them. And not only Roman Catholicism. Egyptology and New Age religions teach people to worship the ancients and the ancestors who supposedly held the secrets of wisdom and knowledge. Listeners, if any one of you is in a religion that worships the dead and worships dead people, then no matter how advanced its teachings may seem to you, know of a surety that you are in a system of religion that has been set up by the devil. It has been set up to lead you away from Jesus Christ and into sin, shame, and ultimately into the lake of fire at the second death.
4: Very, very interesting. That brings us to our next question, John. What warning has
1: God given us about worshipping the dead? Brother Skeet, we read from the book of Psalms, chapter 97, And verses 9 and 7. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. Those that serve idols are confounded. What does the Bible mean when it says that a person is confounded? Confounded. We read from the book of Psalms, chapter 35, and verse 4. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that desire my hurt. To be confounded is to be put to shame and to be confused. So here we see the reason why the earth is so full of so many confused and ashamed and aimless people. It is quite simply because of who and what they worship. The Bible gives another warning not to worship dead idols in the book of Jeremiah chapter 51 and verse 17. Listen, it says, every man is brutish by his knowledge. You see what makes people brutish? It's by what's in their mindlessness. Every founder is confounded by the graven image. For his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. So you see, listeners, God's word is clear. Now, how does Jesus how does Jesus save us from demon worship? Once again I'll hand the show over to Elder John Skeet.
4: Okay, we've come to perhaps the most important part of this Bible study. I know some of the things listeners you've heard may be startling, but everything you've heard has come straight out of the word of God. How does Jesus save us from demon worship? Let's start first in Deuteronomy chapter seven, and we're just going to highlight what it says in verses one through five, where it says that when the Lord thy God brought his people into the land of Canaan, where there were seven nations greater and mightier than them. It says in verse 2 that the Lord thy God said that he would deliver them from before them and that they should smite them and utterly destroy them. And that notice verse 2 that they shall make no covenant with them. And in verse 3 it says neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son nor his daughter shalt thou give unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. So the first big principle here in Deuteronomy 7, if people want to save themselves from demon worship, is that they should not enter into close interpersonal relationships with people that are idolaters. This is what God told ancient Israel. Warn them not to do. And um, we find that same concept in the New Testament. We've heard this text many times before in 2 Corinthians 6:14, where it says, "Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers." God said, "Don't make a covenant with them. That Hebrew word means a compact, a league. Uh, don't make an agreement with them. You can't go to biz- in a tight business relationship with someone that is an idolater, someone that's involved in demon worship. The second part of the instruction God said to save them from this idolatrous demon worship, you find in verse 5, where in Deuteronomy 7 it says, But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, break down their images, cut down their groves, burn their graven images with fire. So the second part of God's plan to deliver his people from this worship was to discard and to destroy all of the paraphernalia of idol worship. He said, you have to actually get rid of all those things that lead you into that idol worship so today listeners if if you um mistakenly or uh, innocently you haven't you didn't know about these things and you discover that. There's things in your home that are part of this worship. You have games, you have things that are around your property. Those things should be gotten rid of. They should be destroyed. You see it in the New Testament also in Acts chapter 19, verse 19. Um, you listeners can go back and read that. When the word of God was preached, it says that many of those that used curious arts, some versions of the Bible says magic, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And it says that the price of this was 50,000 pieces of silver. In the New Testament, God says, if you've been involved in this, once you come to the light of truth, you've got to get rid of all those things. Even if it costs a lot of money, you have to get rid of it. And the last scripture I'd like to turn your attention to to answer this question is in Second Kings chapter 23. Because there was a king in the history of God's people, who was confronted with uh, a widespread idolatrous worship. And he, understanding what was given in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 7, he set about a program to eliminate this demon worship out of his, um, his followers. And if you look at Second Kings chapter 23, it's talking about a king, whose name was Josiah, and uh, Josiah, uh, the Bible represents as a good king, and um, it says in the first three verses of Second Kings 23, it says that um, Josiah gathered together the elders and all of the people, and he read to them out words out of the word of God. It says, and the king went into the house and um, he gathered the priests, the prophets, and all the people, both small and great, and he read in them the ears of the words of the book of the covenant. So the first thing Josiah did is he said, this reform is not coming from me. Let's look at what the Bible says that we should do when we when we see that this worship is widespread and then in verse 4 it says that he caused the priest to bring out all the vessels that were for Baal and and the grove and for the host of heaven and he burned them without Jerusalem in the field so he now begins to start to destroy all the paraphernalia of this false worship. You see it in verse 11. He burned the chariots of the sun. In verse 12, he, he broke down the altars. In verse 14, um, he break in pieces the images and cut down the grove. So he's following Deuteronomy 7. And um, and after he destroyed all of those things, uh, at the end of the chapter, in verse 21, it says that the king commanded that the people would observe a Passover as was written in the Bible. So if you find today that you're involved in this worship, you need to go to the scriptures. As Josiah he called the leaders and all the people to, to search out what the Bible has to say needs to be done, then you need to get rid of all of the paraphernalia of that type of worship. And after that, you should have a communion service where you re-consecrate yourself to the Lord and, and, and you actually we Renew your covenant with him to walk in the path of obedience. And that's the Bible plan to deliver us from this demon worship.
1: Let's have a break with some music listeners and we'll be back with some final thoughts.
5: and wounded sinner lost and left to die oh raise your head for love is passing by come to jesus come to jesus come to jesus Precious blood has washed away the stain Sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus And leave Like a newborn baby, don't be afraid to crawl And remember when you walk, sometimes we fall. So fall on Jesus, fall on Jesus. fill with pain so if your sky is dark and pours the rain then cry to Jesus cry to Jesus cry to Jesus and leave the love spills over and music fills the night and when you can't contain your joy inside then dance for Jesus dance for Jesus
1: Can our dead speak to us? Well, listeners, obviously from what we've shared from the Scripture this evening with Elder John Skeet, last week what we shared from the Scriptures ourselves, you can clearly see that our dead cannot speak to us. And so we appeal to all this evening who believe that they can Hear or even see or experience sensations from their loved ones who are dead. Sadly, it's all the deception from the devil. And I sadly, because it's something that one should really not entertain. And we send this message also to comfort those who have lost their loved ones in, with the fact that they're resting peacefully. They're suffering no more in this sinful world, and they're at peace. And we're also sending this message to those who are looking forward to seeing their loved ones at the resurrection, that Jesus has promised us eternal life, a life of eternal happiness, peace, and joy, totally free from all the worries and stresses and problems that are in this sinful world. And so, to end this discussion, I would ask Elder Skeets to pray as we close this evening.
4: We're praying. Our, our gracious Father in Heaven, our our wonderful Counselor, our Savior, and our friend, we thank you, Lord, for the truths of your Word that unmask the lies of the devil. Lord, there are some listeners that are out there that, that have le- heard perhaps for the first time this truth of the the dangers of believing that the dead are still alive. And we thank you for your word setting them free. We pray that you would give them wisdom, grace, and courage to make those decisions necessary to eliminate this concept and these practices out of their lives. We are thankful for your son, his perfect life, his shameful death on the cross, and now his high priestly ministry where he is working to, set us free, and to make our characters like his so that we can be ready when he arrives again. Bless us and help all of us, both the speakers and listeners, to keep moving upward and forward on this path to, of redemption which you have provided, because you have asked it in Jesus' mighty name.
1: Amen. Amen. Elder Skeet, thank you for joining us on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio this evening. Listeners, if you have any questions or if you would like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org. You can send a text message to 7944 62 If you live in the United Kingdom, please contact us with your name and address and we will send you a free tract called Can Our Dead Speak to Us? Those who are living outside the UK can request for an electronic version to be sent to them free. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section then find the title Bible Readings for the Home. At chapter 108, you will find the subject, the Intermediate State. This chapter will give you more information about today's topic. You can also listen to and download our radio show podcasts, at https colon forward slash forward slash voice dash in dash z dash wilderness dot podcast page dot io forward slash on next week's show we will discuss the subject will the wicked burn in hell forever well that's it for tonight's show until next week good night and god bless
0: voice in the wilderness